Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast, where leaders share how they've created a company so incredible their employees have to tell their friends about it. And now, here's your host, Jordan Peace. Welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. Today, we're chatting with Tim Flanagan Jr. and Amanda Kramer of Mass Mutual Carolinas. Tim's career with Mass Mutual began in 1989 in Philadelphia. And in January of 2004, he took over as general agent of Mass Mutual Carolinas. For the 99.9% of you that are not in that industry, a general agent means that he's in charge of this particular region in this area um, in Charlotte and the surrounding region. Amanda supports the firm's purpose of helping people win in all aspects of life by creating an environment of success, trust, and belonging. Tim, even before I give you a chance to speak, I'd love to share a quote from you. You said of your firm, we are a relationship-driven organization and it shows. We have unique and servant leaders who focus on a dynamic and comprehensive planning process grounded in our core values of balance, growth, authenticity, conviction, and stewardship. So Tim and Amanda, really excited to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Jordan, for having us. Great to be with you. I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, By the way, to our listeners, Tim and Amanda also host a podcast called Winning Through Culture. So perhaps we're kindred spirits, but I know you guys are doing a series right now on your core values. So I don't want to steal from your content, but I would love to at least touch on some aspects of that quote I just read from Tim. The values, again, balance, growth, authenticity, conviction, and stewardship I'd love to just start with balance because I think that's something that's been a real challenge for the last 13, 14 months, no matter what industry you're in, just on a personal standpoint. So, you know, it's been a struggle for many to find balance working at home, kids learning virtually, a very limited social life. So, Amanda, why don't we start with you? How are your people doing right now and over the last 13, 14 months? That's an excellent question. So my honest answer is good. There are going to be days that are better than others. However, when we think about balance in our organization, it's really succeeding in all aspects of your life. So mind, body, and spirit. We have no expectation that every aspect of your life is going to be in complete harmony at all times. There are going to be parts of your life, whether it's professional, personal, or maybe something that you're really invested in, that's going to take a little bit more energy from time to time. And we understand that you have to have that ability to flex. So I will say, and and this is just resounding across the culture conversations that I have inside our organization, is that unanimously people have told me that they feel more connected to our organization even through a pandemic than before. And I think that's because our virtual environment has given us an opportunity to actually kind of come into their home, come into their living room or their kitchen or their basement or even their patio, wherever that might be and and what's comfortable for them. And so balance has been definitely an intentional focus for us, not only in the pandemic, but in general, you know, Tim and I, when we started working together a little over four years ago, we had a, a hard look at the core values of the organization and Balance is one that I fought really hard for to keep as part of our core values as we were merging firms together and really working to integrate a community. Mm. It's it's a fun little story because Tim always says, he's like, he was not the poster child for balance and and (laughs) reform at the time. And it's one of the main reasons that um, he and I really started to work together in the five core values of our organization. 
So Tim, maybe you want to add a little bit about balance and, and that how it came to be for us? Yeah, no, I, I can't, Amanda and Jordan. It's, it is a funny story because as Amanda said, four years ago, we were getting ready to work together. We were going through this process of redefining our core values, our purpose, our mission as a firm, as we were bringing two pretty large organizations together. And she really did advocate strongly for balance as a core value. I was resisting because, as I eventually admitted to everybody that day in the conference room, I was not a poster child for that at all. Um, in fact, I was not going to be, I had not been a very good role model up until that point mm. on balance. I knew how to work and work some more. So I obviously acquiesced because I could tell how important it was to Amanda and the rest of the team that day that that be something that we have as a core value and that we, we really espouse to. And I can genuinely say as well now that four years later, I am a much more balanced person because mm. I do believe as a leader, you have to walk the talk. You can't just say, people, go be balanced. Don't pay any attention to me. But it has made me a better person, better leader. And for that, uh, I thank Amanda often. So, yeah, it's, that was, that's, that's been an interesting one. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's it's funny sometimes, you know, you think, oh, this is important to Amanda, so we'll do it, right? And then you realize, oh, no, this was important for me <laughs> in, in, in my oh, yeah. life, in my health. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the vulnerability of sharing that. That's a beautiful thing to uh, to adjust in order to lead from the front. Because you're, I mean, obviously, you're exactly right. You can't just say it. Nobody's going to follow your words alone. So Amanda, really interesting to hear that your people feel even more connected as you've been kind of surveying and going through that. I mean, it obviously begs the question, creativity often comes from necessity, right? So, so all of the sudden, right, we were not together in the same office and, and some of those planned routine things that were happening are, are they're shot, they're gone. So Tell me about some of the ideas and then maybe the best idea that came out of COVID out of necessity. Yeah. So when thinking about being in a particular place, we've always been spanning multiple cities, states. We even have advisors and associates that are all the way you know, in Ohio. So having okay. a virtual component to how we communicate with our associates and our teams has always been a part of our greater connectivity strategy. Mm -hmm. However, the fun things like going to the Billy Joel concert and having you know, an opportunity to do service projects together in person, right. all of that came to a screeching halt over the pandemic. So we had to shift very, very swiftly, but also very intentionally in providing areas in which people could bring their whole selves. So making it a, a, a comfortable environment where right. we were having opportunities for people to participate in either projects or social activities that really met their interest. And so over the pandemic, I probably learned the most. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I uh, found out people who really enjoyed not only trivia, but specific types of trivia, all the way down to those who really were into craft cocktail making. And the list kind of goes on. But what I ended up doing is we have a very structured calendar of events that we host. Of course, those are traditionally live in person. And I just said, okay, I'm going to put another hat on here. How can we make this virtual environment as comfortable and as inviting as possible? So 
really shifted into having some consistency things mm. that were happening every single week. Right. So we um, have some study groups that we started. We also did a opportunity for those that wanted to really kind of focus inward from a meditation and a reflection standpoint. We had an offering for that every single week. So there was a time and a place wherever you wanted to connect into the organization, there was a consistent schedule for you to do so. And then there were all the fun things. So like I said, we did a cocktail making class. We did a cooking class. We learned how to make paella with the local chef here in Charlotte. We really took all of those things that people were doing at home. I didn't go as far as to like do bread baking, but (laughs) we did all of the things that people were doing at home and really tried to put it in a virtual environment whether that was a happy hour or even a pandemic scavenger hunt, that was probably, I have not laughed that hard. I think in my entire life, giving people very limited time to find things that were in limited supply in their home was very entertaining. So really just creating creating a chance for people to, however they wanted to come, they were able to do that and participate in different ways. And not to say that I don't want to get back to uh, being in person, but there will always be that element of that, that virtual connectivity moving forward, just because we are so large and we span so much territory. And I think this, the second part of your question is like kind of what was the best idea? And I'm going to have to kick it over to Tim because this really came from, or rather I should say, you know, a Genesis from a run that he was on and we ended up putting it into place. And it was one of the things that I think was most successful throughout our pandemic time. And it was Transformation 2020 Challenge. Tim, you want to talk a little bit about how that came to be and I'll elaborate? Sure. Yeah. So Jordan, we were doing a lot of fun stuff, a lot of cool stuff and a lot of serious stuff too, as Amanda said, just keeping people connected, especially this time last year when things were really shut down in April of 2020. I was on a run in early, I can't remember, it was late April, early May. I think it was the first week in May. And I get a lot of ideas on my runs as I'm fond of saying some of them are good, some of them are not. But this one kind of struck me. And the idea was to put together a challenge for our people to participate in called a Transformation 2020 Challenge. And the thought process was as challenging up until that point, early May, 2020 the year had been, were we going to use it as an opportunity to transform ourselves in the midst of this pandemic, or are we going to let the situation kind of overrun us and and Mm -hmm. run us down? And so the idea, uh, I went to Amanda, I said, this sounds kind of crazy, I know, but hear me out. And it was to put together a series of challenges, most of which would be done virtually or individually, not in a group setting, unfortunately. And we, we had a, a sleeve of challenges around business. We had a sleeve of challenges around physicality. I'm, I love to do Spartan races, and that was some ideas I had specific to that. There was a sleeve of categories around relationship, and then there was a sleeve of categories spiritual, hmm. in a spiritual sense. And we came up with a series of challenges in each of those areas. Um, we put together a microsite website. Amanda can get into the details, but that's where we had the good fortune of actually getting a chance to meet you and your company, because Amanda said, what are we going to do from a recognition standpoint? Right. And Fringe fringe popped up. She showed it to me. I said, that's absolutely perfect. It's a brilliant idea. And we launched the challenge. It uh, took us about a month and a half, I guess, to kind of put it together, but and, and, you know, do it right. And then we launched it in the summer. So I'll let you, Amanda, kind of tell the rest of the story from there because it was, it was great. Yeah. 
It was really the concept of kind of fuel. So as Tim shared, it was in the business aspect, but also, you know, from a personal standpoint, and that kind of goes back again, everything's grounded in our core values. We make all decisions with that lens. Mm -hmm. And so the core values were a large part of how we crafted the transformation 2020 challenge series. And so it was everything from, you know, if you wanted to just sign up for a 5k or a race on your own and go and do that, that's great. You got points. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to increase from a growth standpoint in your business in a particular way, you could tell me what it was. We would connect you. We even developed a mentorship program through that, that is still in existence today. And then all the way down to, as Tim said, that spiritual relational aspect. So I mentioned earlier, we had some consistent opportunities for people to plug into. We created a whole library of other resources and ways to get involved that they could actually earn points for. And it was really cool to see it evolve. I had people who were competing behind the scenes and teams messaging me of like how many miles they ran that day, all the way down to people who were sharing how much they took time to reflect on their business. And the one thing they really wanted to focus on and really get in a good place as we kind of concluded the challenge series, but then look to the new year being 2021. I think that ultimately Mm. it resulted in a way for those who wanted to invest in themselves in that way, had an opportunity to do so. And we had some fun things that went out too, just to kind of create a little bit more momentum. And they had a specialized welcome box for everybody who signed up that was mailed to their home. And it had, you know, a t-shirt and healthy snacks and a journal if they were participating in, you know, reflection and and working, you know, internally as versus externally. So it was really cool to see it come to life. And it's so much so that we got asked if we do it again. (laughs) So 2021 is in the works. Yeah. It's amazing you go through something difficult like that. And it's just a forcing agent to begin to think about how can we do things differently. And I love, Tim, the inspiration of like, yeah, this pandemic, it's an awful thing. This is going to affect a lot of people's lives. People lost their lives, still are. And yet we don't have to kind of succumb to the fact that like, well, that we're just we're just victims in this. Like this is an opportunity for us to look at ourselves and go, how can I appreciate my life and develop myself and move forward and and take the opportunity and the time to reflect. I, that's a that's a beautiful inspiration. I really love the direction you guys went. Well, with thanks. That. Yeah. yeah, it definitely felt we needed to be intentional about it, or I didn't think it would happen, even for myself. So. Yeah. Well, and it definitely was born out of collaboration. It took a team of people to make it work inside the organization and ultimately hard work, right? Because every person who signed up had to really had to put in the work to get to the place in which they could kind of check the box and say, yes, I did that. And here was the result that I got from it. So it was a cool way to bring people together across multitude of, of cities and also mindsets where they were and where they wanted to go. That's that's really awesome. I love that idea. And that is of all the podcast episodes I do, that's probably the only question I ask every single time because I just get such cool stories and such creativity and ways that people have engaged their their people, right? Because I mean the thing that the thing that we forget is it's not just that we're working remotely, is that our social lives have been greatly diminished as well. Like the friends mm-hmm. that we would spend time with or the the clubs or social groups or religious organizations or whatever, where we would spend our time and energy and effort, that's either ceased or it's different or it's more difficult. And so all of a sudden, the our sense of community 
is so much more steeped in the people we work with than it ever was before. And I actually don't think that that's going away necessarily. I see the, the younger and younger generations that come into the workplace, they see the workplace as more of their family. And this is where my friends are. And this is, this is where I belong. Right. Um, and so good for you guys for helping to facilitate in a time where there was no one else in people's lives to facilitate that mental and emotional and spiritual health, or, or at least a greatly diminished help in that way. Really cool. Really cool. So you talked about Amanda and I'll let, I'll let Tim brag on you, but you came on how many years ago? Remind me. A little over four. A little over four. So Tim, I'm just picking up on context clues here, right? You talked about how Amanda's <laughs> pushing for balance. Our organization has changed. I've changed, et cetera. And so I'm getting a sense that there was this transition where, where maybe you would not have called yourself a bragworthy culture a certain amount of years ago, where now things have really picked up in that cultural arena. Maybe I'm overstepping, but I'd love to hear kind no, of that no, transformation. Now, I'd say you're right on money, Jordan, because I've owned the business since 2004. And I can certainly point back to some very unbragworthy cultural moments. Mm. And as I was maturing as a leader, I started to recognize the importance of culture and certainly even more so I'm a Gen Xer and having younger employees, it really was hitting me that culture, who you are is more important than what you do mm. as a business. So as I started to develop this desire to be more intentional about culture, as I mentioned, I had lots of ideas but I didn't have an Amanda. Dan, Dan Sullivan's got a great book that he did with Benjamin Hardy called Who Not How. And I'm pretty good with ideas, but I did not have the who at the time until four years ago that, that Amanda brought into the firm. And even today, I had a couple of ideas on my run this morning and I've shot one tour through teams and an hour later, she had executed on the whole thing. And it was an idea for doing something for the moms in our organization for Mother's Day next week. And that's the uh, the beauty of our working relationship is she gets it and she understands how to help people have the experience that just some of my ideas might, might manifest. But it, we really got more intentional to your question four years ago, and it's a work in progress. There's no question about it. It's not, we're not going to ever be finished. And it's a living, breathing thing. You mentioned community. I do believe we started having that discussion last year as well, that mm. In the end, what we're building as a community, and as, as you know a little bit about our profession, all of our financial advisors are free agents. They're with us by choice, not by force. So we have to basically earn their business and their relationship every day. And we have mm. to have a group of employees that come to work, you know, our teammates every day engaged and excited about doing that. And culture really has become the driving force behind that. And Amanda is a big part of marshalling all of us in the right direction to make sure that we're delivering on our, our commitments around our core values. We have a tagline of helping people win at life. So yeah, it's, mm. but we definitely had an era where the culture was far from bragworthy. Mm -hmm. It was painful at times. And I, you know, again, as a younger leader, I, I knew I almost felt like I didn't understand what I needed to do to change the culture. And it was until I realized that it wasn't what I did. It was who I was and who we were that would mm. change the culture that things started wow. to shift. Wow. Well, 
uh, I'm sitting here looking at your core values. That that was a, a good deal of authenticity there. So I, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> it takes some humility to to share that. But that's that's what it takes, right? It, it just yep. being transparent, showing who you actually are, because no one wants to work for a perfect person. That's super intimidating. <laughs> right? Far from that. <laughs> at least I am far from that. Right. Right, right. But as leaders, you know, I think there's a time where and a temptation to to pretend, right, to put up that front and try to allow oh. people to think that we're perfect. We're very much not. Mm-hmm. So, Amanda, you're welcome to elaborate. I just wanted to give Tim a chance to brag on you, so you didn't have to do it. <laughs> well, that's very kind. Yeah, very, very forward, with, which is great with his praise. So I, I definitely appreciate that. And sometimes you'll see me blush when he does it in group settings because I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. But I do appreciate it. It definitely, as I think about culture, it's really, it's emotional and it's relational. And right. I've had this conversation a lot lately about sometimes it's that intangible value that people, mm-hmm. you feel it, but you really don't know how to kind of, you can't put it necessarily on paper. You really have to walk into the organization right. and feel it. And so in this pandemic world that we've had, you know, being in that room, that physical space, of course, it's been challenging. So being right. able to build that in a way that can come through the screen, I, I get called yeah. lady in the box a lot because they, <laughs> they see me, they hear me. I'm on all of the calls that we do. I'm part of pretty much every event that we do. So I really want to make sure that there's consistency there. And as Tim mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, my role in the organization is to make sure that the experience that not only our advisors are having, but our associates our employees, anyone who's attached to our firm really in any way at all is having an experience that's in alignment with our core values. And culture is such a large part of people's lives. I mean, it influences their views, their values, their humor, their hopes, their loyalty, but also their worries and their fears. And so we want to make sure that we're a space where we are constantly working on being the best version of ourselves. As Tim said, he's not perfect. I'm not perfect. I have no intention of being perfect. However, I do want to provide that that openness and that transparent environment for individuals to share where they are. And if I can help them get to whatever that defined level of success is, and it very well might be, I'm going to go get on that treadmill. I'm going to go and close this case. I don't care how small or how big it is. I want to be part of their story. And everyone in our, our leadership team and all our employees that are part of our staff, they're invested in the, the success mm. of those around them, personally and professionally. And that's just how we are. And so we're constantly yeah. getting better and, and we're working towards being part of everyone's story in a very positive way. Yeah, I love it. So this is a question that I'm wrestling with this as a leader of an organization. You guys referenced Fringe earlier, who, who kindly sponsors this podcast for me. I'm wrestling with the concept that in this remote environment, the really wonderful thing, there's several, is that everyone's having the exact same experience, right? Everyone gets a box on the screen, right? And, and it's, it's equal, right? Versus when we head back into the office, only some of us will head back into the office, right? Only some of us will live in the proximity to the office or we'll feel comfortable because of vaccinations or whatever, right? There's gonna be a mix as there always was in the past, but now we're so much more aware and intimately familiar with these folks that were not 
physically with us right now we've seen their homes and we've seen their cats walk across the screen and we've seen their kids interrupt like i just had one do a second ago not sure if you noticed what are your thoughts and and i wouldn't expect them to be well formed yet but what are your thoughts around this blend of some in-person and some remote as we move forward with employees that are kind of dispersed so it's a great question, Jordan, and we have been thinking about it. And I think the the beauty of what's transpired here with, with COVID in this remote aspect is, and it gets back to balance, that I think it's much more socially acceptable now to not work in the office than mm-hmm. it used to be. At least in my generation, you know, it was how early did you get there and how late you stayed. Right. And it, it didn't matter whether you were working or not. It was just were you physically there. And so... And again, the challenge in this environment is some people can't turn it off, so it's on all the time and it's right in their house. But I I honestly think that going forward, what will transpire is, and I'm, I'm, we've talked about it, I'm okay with it. Key is, are people getting their job done? Where they get their job done is a little less important to me than it used to be. And we had some experience with this before the pandemic. We had two very talented employees for different family reasons, move away from Charlotte. And everybody said, I guess they have to leave. And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure the technology is such that we can figure this out. And we did. And it's funny because one of them, I'm not sure most people knew wasn't in Charlotte anymore. And they had a phone extension like they were still in the office. And and this was, again, pre-Zoom, pre-Teams. So I, I really am looking at it as especially again with some younger employees, the ability to have that balance of I'll be in the office three days a week, I'll work remote two days, you know, four, one, whatever. I do think it's important and we've been in the office a lot. We've started to do some in-person things for those that are comfortable in our in our firm. I do think that personal connection is still important, but I do think it's not, it doesn't have to be an everyday thing anymore. Mm. Well, and just to add on to that, a lot of my role in the organization is the the fun stuff. So, and I, I say that with a giant smile because I get to plan family baseball night outings. And when we get to pack meals with Rise Against Hunger through our stewardship organization, Hands and Feet. So I think about the space and time in which we're able to still have shared experiences mm-hmm. and incorporate that into the balance of their their work life or life work balance, if you want to say it that way, which I think is probably more more appropriate today than not. Probably so, yeah. I will mm-hmm. I will say for me in the very beginning, and this is being very authentic, and Tim even mentioned it about the fact that it's now in my home 24-7. I have every time someone teams calls me, it it rings on my surface. It rings on my phone. I'm like, I get an email. Like it kind of, I get blown up, so to speak, but in a good way. I always say, you know, if you ever need to reach me, send me a Teams message, call me, send me an email, send up a flare. And that's kind of the flare. (laughs) Like everything is happening at once. And I think it's important that we take stock in mental health. Mm. And we've done a lot inside our organization to really make sure that that's a topic that is, that is common and it is Mm. discussed. And when someone isn't in a space where they feel they feel balanced, for lack of a better term, or, or they feel healthy in that way, that we can provide them resources, whether those are internal or external. Um, we also have confidential conversations as well with some partners that we have, you know, contracted through. So people have a space and time to have those discussions and dialogues. 
but really taking a step back to say, notice the pattern with someone. So whether they're in the office and they're right in front of you or they're in, on a computer screen and you're, you're looking at them, you can tell by body language or just commentary that mm-hmm. you're getting, whether they're in a good space or not in a good space. And taking the time, whether you're the person who directly manages them or maybe you're just on a team with them to say, hey, are you okay? Like, mm. what's going on? Do you want to talk about it? If you don't, here are some resources that you can you can talk to somebody outside of our organization and right. still feel like you have that contribution to helping them move forward. And I think that it's important because ultimately when we talk about going back to the office, not back to the office. I'll speak for myself. I'm a people person. I like to be around people, but it does take a lot of flex to go into that and then come back to a virtual world. So want to give respect in and credit to the fact that it's not going to be an everyday thing for everybody. And just understanding that I think we all, and this is my word for the year is grace. I think we all need to give each other some grace, give yourself grace, give those that you're working with grace and really just Tune into how are they reacting? Is coming into the office? Does it seem like it's more stressful for them? And being able to adjust it and, and make that decision for that particular person. And I think it's so cool that this last year has given us, as Tim shared, it is more socially acceptable to not be in the office every day, again, you know, be the first person in, last person to leave. Mm-hmm. And I think that as we progress forward, people will be able to find what works best for them and ultimately just get their job done. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. I think, and, and I hope this is not just my opinion, there's been articles on this and so forth, but I, clearly in my opinion, I believe that employees are going to pretty harshly judge their employer on how they treated them during this pandemic, right? At a time where people could have gone to very dark places and felt very isolated and alone and down and anxious. And I, I know I experienced some of those symptoms that I, I just I just reeled off myself. And so having, from what it sounds like, a great success over the last 13, 14 months and people feeling more engaged, how do you think that impacts your kind of ability to go out there and recruit and draw people into your organization? Do you kind of foresee that and I've read articles on this too, that folks are kind of looking to jump ship at when the pandemic's over. They're sort of scared to leave their job now, but they're waiting for the dust to settle and go. Is, is that an opportunity for your organization to say, hey, c- come on in, the water's warm and, and we're warm and we care. And how do you think this is going to impact your, your sort of brand as recruiters? I'll start on that. Jordan, I think it's already started to in a very positive way. Hmm. And we're constantly bringing financial advisors into the profession, both those that are brand new to it and those that are with other firms. And it's challenging to create distinctions in the financial services field. But again, kind of going back to culture, that was part of the genesis of why I decided five years ago it was time to focus on culture because everything else we were doing, the firms that we were competing with talent for were replicating. Hmm. And it dawned on me one day, I'm like, it's going to be hard to replicate our culture because our culture is our people. (laughs) So I want to go somewhere where people are, they may have their own culture and it may be a great culture, but they're not going to be able to continue to basically take our ideas and replicate them. And so uh, that was really the genesis of, of this journey. And 
I really feel like this year, late last year, it started to pay off. We have expanded the number of employees that are a part of the organization. And it's been really interesting because we do have kind of a body of information to share about the culture now through our website, through the podcast we have that you're right on the money, Jordan. People are really kind of like craving what was the last year like where I was working? How were they invested in my success? And I, again, I think that the Gen X generation, we kind of look at the way world one way with baby boomers and then the millennials Gen Z are really looking for a more purposeful environment at work. And so I believe the focus we've had on culture, I've seen it firsthand, is, is helping us a lot from a recruiting perspective. And at the same time, candidly, it kind of helps you figure out who is and isn't a fit. And you mm. know that works both ways. So right. not everybody's looking for the same thing. And right. there's some elements of our culture that I think make some people uncomfortable. You mentioned authenticity. We're, we're pretty direct in a, in a healthy way with one another, uh, yeah. but not everybody's comfortable with that as an example. So Amanda, I'll let you take it from there. I would just add that as we have progressed in this, looking at the conversations that I've had, not only with the employees, but also some of our advisors is that they want a, a place that aligns with where they see their next five years, their next 10 years. And it's very... Right eye-opening because more often than not, when we are in a recruiting conversation, I, I will have a discussion and, and our entire you know recruiting process is again, built around our core values. So that's not anything new by the time they get to me. And so when sure. we have that dialogue and that discussion, it's much more about the experience and the fact that it is not manufactured. I think I get that a mm. lot. They're like, okay, well, this just sounds like it's too good to be true. And then they go through the process and they come on board. And then at the end of their onboarding, I then have a conversation with them. And I'm like, okay, so did we live up to everything we said we were going to do for you? How are you feeling about the organization? Is there anything kind of think about it like a red light that we should stop doing, take caution and reflection mm -hmm. and maybe pivot or anything you think we should absolutely always do? And that mm. really just speaks to the fact that, and that goes for new associates that join us in an employee capacity, but also our advisors that join us after they go through what we call Fast Start Academy. There's an opportunity for them to tell us very transparently. And I say, you know, I want the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I mean it. <laughs> I really want the good, the bad, and the yeah. ugly. And more often than not, it's good, which is great because we're living up to what we're saying. But we take that intentional approach. It's not one of those things where we're like, we say all these great things. You know, our core values are on the wall mm -hmm. when you walk in. No, our, our core values yeah. walk with us. And you can see it. Right. I would much rather you say, oh, she is very convicted in what she does versus, right. okay, well, Amanda does X, Y, and Z in the firm. And this mm -hmm. is what I go to her for. So yeah. we really want it to be that we're living them and they, they can mm -hmm. see it and they can feel it again, going back to that intangible value component. I don't want just the words on the wall. And I think that as we're mm -hmm. looking to, you know, recruit and bring top talent into the organization, being able to share what we've done over the pandemic, but also what we did before the pandemic, to be honest, right. we just transitioned a lot of it to being virtual. Um, and now yeah. I get to go back to a hybrid approach and that's really where we're going to stay. So we'll continue right. to have in-person where and when people feel comfortable. Like we're going to have family baseball night again in the summer. And I'm so looking forward to that. 
And then on the other side, we're still going to have trivia and we're still going to do other things. So however people want to engage, they'll be able to. Yeah, that's awesome. I bet that's some of the the most satisfying part of your job, Amanda, is just to ask those questions after people come in and, hey, did we live up to your expectations? And just being able to hear like, yes, I love it here. I love the people, like that, that sort of reaction, because employer brand, unlike consumer brand, consumer brand, you can really manufacture to an extent, right? You hire a great marketing firm, you put out some great ads and it's sort of, it just works. You can almost buy it, but your employer brand, you absolutely cannot manufacture because your employer brand is what people that have worked for you or do work for you say about you, not what you say about you. Right. Right. And so in that vein, I'm curious if, an employee, you know, whether they retired or they left for some very good reason or, or even they're currently working for your organization, what's like the best glass door review they could give? If you could write the script and then you can send this to some people, maybe they'll do it for you. But like, if you could write the script, like, what is the best possible thing they could say about working here? Like, how would you how would you draw it up? Tim, you can go, you go if you want to take that one. Well, I was going to let Amanda go first, but I, I guess <laughs> I can go first. Uh, I mean, that's a great question, Jordan. I would say it would probably be they are who they say they are. Mm. Back to Amanda's comments about the congruency, because that is that is the challenge so often. You nailed it, and I love the way you put it, you know, the consumer brand versus the employer brand is people feel the lack of authenticity and, you know, kind of the whole manufactured social media lifestyle of right. that's not real. And again, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. I can assure you of that. And we don't espouse to be perfect and we certainly don't espouse to not make mistakes, but we do work hard to honor the people that are affiliated with us, that work with us and to do so in, in a way that is congruent with, the values of the organization, our mission, and our stated culture. And so I would say it's people saying they are who they say they are. It'd probably be my, it'd be a very uh, succinct uh, glass door. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Amanda's a much better writer than I am. She's more eloquent. <laughs> I think you did a great job. Powerful six, seven words there. I, if I read that, I'd that would be meaningful to me as a, as a prospect yeah. for sure, a candidate. I think the only other thing that I would add is really the fact that speaking as a firm, a greater leadership team is that they really, they meaning us, I guess, in this context really cared about me as a person. I think more often than not, a lot of people, they go to work, they're a widget and okay, great. They did their job. They went home. I, I don't ever want people to feel that way. In our organization, mm -hmm. personally, you know, we, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but we have a stewardship organization and, and we work very hard to make sure that from a care perspective, we are in, we're invested in the lives of the associates, the advisors, the employees that we have in our organization. And I want to know if you got yeah. a new dog and I want to know their name and I want to know what secret talent you have. And I want to know you really like to bake or whatever it is. I, I want right. people walking away if they were to add anything to that. We are who we say we are. And ultimately, we, we really truly did care about them as a person, a complete person. So making sure that right. they have avenues and respective ways to grow, whether that's in their, their mind, their body or their spirit. 
I love that. And in that employer brand too, it, it walks out the door with people, you know, and, and sometimes in a very positive way. Some people leave a profession for all sorts of different reasons. You could do everything right. And they leave because either they, they couldn't sort of cut it in the first few years or, or simply they had to move away or they have a sick family, any number of reasons. And so you didn't always do something wrong, right? And so I think it's important to remember that what we poured in to this person, right? Not this employee, but this human, they're going to go out and they're going to be an evangelist of, of this organization for the rest of their lives. They had a great experience right. here. You know, and, and that's really meaningful. That builds that brand all the more. And so I think sometimes we get so hung up on retention. We got to keep every last person. Like we're just not, that's not how life works. And yet they can have a great experience and leave and still be an impactful part of the organization simply by what they say and how they represent us when they leave us. That's powerful. I'm really appreciative of you guys taking some time today. I do this podcast because... I believe that the Fortune 100 list will be equivalent to the top 100 places to work someday, right? And I want to do everything I can to usher that all the more and get us there more quickly, because if that's true, then everybody's going to model their business after culture and after treating people the right way. And as Tim put it, who, not how, right? Focusing on who you are, not what you do. If there's any way I can help our society get there, then I think everybody's going to wake up excited to go to work. And that excites me. So thank you so much for the unique perspective, for the vulnerability, the authenticity. I want to give an opportunity. Anything else you'd like to share about your organization, your culture, where you're headed, anything like that, free plug. Here's an opportunity if there's anything else I missed. If you want to learn more about what we do and expand on the core values that we talked about today, I would highly encourage, and, and two, stories from Tim. I enjoy sitting down with him and really learning his evolution as a leader. And I think ultimately, you know, our goal with Winning Through Culture, which is the podcast that we support, is really to help entrepreneurs stay impactful and relevant. And ultimately, it comes down to how are you focused on that human? How are you focused on the people that are around you, whether that's in your yeah. professional life or in your personal life and how your experiences ultimately shape who you become? And again, it's who you are. So making sure that your culture aligns with that as a leader. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I love what you're doing, Jordan. I really commend you for the podcast and, and your focus and your mission. And I would definitely say I share and we share your passion for helping businesses understand the power of culture, which really is the power of their people. And mm. a business obviously has to be successful and profitable to stay in business. And yet I do believe you can put your people first and do that. And so, yeah, I really commend you for this and the podcast and the idea of sharing these stories and inspiring other business owners and leaders to focus more on culture and, and their people and how they can their people be more successful in all aspects of their life. Well, thanks so much, Tim. I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate both of you giving over some time today so that we could record this. And I'm excited for it to get out there in the world and for people to hear 
about all that you guys have been doing over the course of years, but especially over the last 12 months. And I think it'll be an inspiration and some ideas. And you may get a couple of emails that tell me more about family baseball and, and so <laughs> forth. Because I'm curious that right now, I'm like, all right, well, send me an email on how to how to run a family baseball event. So sometimes it's the practical stuff. But, but thanks again. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to Bragworthy Culture. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.